Hi, I'm Jeff Eckstein, one of the pastors here at Bethlehem Community Church. Welcome to our Sunday podcast, coming to you from the town of Bethlehem in upstate New York in the USA. Bethlehem Community Church is an independent, non-denominational, Bible-based evangelical church that includes people with backgrounds from many denominations. We believe that it is only through the love of the Father, the sacrifice of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ on the cross, and the power of the Holy Spirit that we can come into a personal relationship with God. We are people truly seeking a deeper intimacy with God and with one another. If you'd like to know more about our church, please visit our website at bccdelmar.org. There you'll be able to find our statement of faith, as well as more about the ministry of Bethlehem Community Church. You'll also be able to submit prayer requests as we are called to pray with and for you. We also would love to hear your story and how you found our podcast and where you're listening from. So please visit our website and send us an email. Again, it's bccdelmar.org. That's bccdelmar.org. Thank you for joining us as we continue our pursuit of knowing God and making Him known. Well, there was this pastor and he was uh, taking a walk. And as he was walking along, he saw this group of boys, and the group of boys had this uh, dog surrounded, and he was a little concerned that they were, you know, going to hurt the dog in some way. And so he approached them. He said, what are you doing with that dog? And one of the boys says, oh, don't worry, Reverend. It's just a stray dog. We all want the dog, but only one of us can have the dog. And so what we've decided to do is we're going to have a contest, and the one who can tell the best lie gets to keep the dog. And uh, the pastor, of course, was a little shocked at that. He said, boys, you should never have a contest about who can tell the, the greatest lie. When I was your age, when I was a, a boy, I never told a lie. And there were several seconds of silence. And finally, one of the young boys spoke up. He said, okay, Reverend, you win. Give him the dog. <laughs> yep. Well, this morning we're going to continue our study in the book of Philippians, and interestingly enough, we're kind of talking about lies and whatnot, and uh, as uh, we study the book of Philippians, we're on the mind and what you believe, so I've entitled the message this morning, What Lies Do You Believe? What Lies Do You Believe? Lord, I just uh, thank you for the tremendous worship that we've had this morning. It's a privilege just to be brought to the throne room, your throne room. Better is one day in your courts than a thousand elsewhere. Oh, that we would really believe that. There is nothing, nothing greater than just being in your presence. If we did just that, we would walk out of here energized. Holy Spirit, you are truly welcome here. And I just ask that you make your presence felt and known. I ask that you would fill me from the soles of my feet to the crown of my head. And I ask that now, as we look at your word, that it would do all that you determined that it would do. It would produce that fruit, that people would be set free and healed. And I ask for this in your precious name. Amen. Apostle Peter writes in 1 Peter chapter 5 and verse 8, these stunning words. Skip, can you put them up? Be self-controlled and alert, for your enemy the devil prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone whom he may devour. The Bible's crystal clear. 
you have a grave enemy. You have an enemy that has the ability to destroy you. You do a great disservice to yourself, by the way, if you underestimate, you underrate this enemy, Satan. The Bible makes it clear that he is a real and present danger. And we saw last week that his chief weapon is the lie. And that is why the Apostle Paul wrote in Philippians chapter 4, in verse 8, these words, Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think. Think on these things. That's an imperative. He's saying we need to think about what we are thinking about. There is nothing more important than your mind and my mind. The battle for your life is being waged in the mind. Life and death actually hangs in the balance. For example, Jesus said in John chapter 8 and verse 32, he said, you'll know the truth. And that word know really means that you will walk in the truth. And he says, if you really know it and you begin to walk in it, you're going to experience freedom in here. Wouldn't you like to truly be free? When you're free, then you're alive. But you see, the converse is true. If, if, if I believe in lies and half-truths and you believe in lies and half-truths, then you're going to be in bondage. And when you're in bondage, you experience defeat and ultimately you experience death. You've got truth. And then you've got lies. And the question is, what are you going to walk in? Your, your destiny is determined by whether you walk in truth or whether you walk in lies. And last week we began to look at the top ten list. Skip, you can put that up. We are looking at the top ten list, in this case, of the top ten lies of Satan. And we looked at lie number ten last week. And lie number ten is Satan tries to convince you and I that he does not exist. That he does not exist. Lie number nine of Satan is that all truth is relative. In other words, he's trying to convince us that there are actually no absolutes. Lie number eight is this book here. He wants to convince us is a man-made book. It's just, you know, written by human beings. Therefore, it contains contains errors. That means it's a nice book, but it's not an authoritative book. Now, if you missed last week's message, please, please just go to the Bethlehem Community Church website. You just click media, and you can either listen to the podcast or you can watch the video. But it's just really important that you really listen to that and study that. And we're going to pick it up now this morning. We're going to look at lie number seven of Satan. Lie number seven of Satan is you are missing out. You are missing out. You know, we live in America, and that, that lie really appeals to us, doesn't it? And, uh, you know, we, we have the notion that in America, at least, that somehow we can create heaven here on earth. And, you know, Satan plays to that. And so Satan's going to whisper in your ear, and he's going to say, you know, you deserve more. You deserve that. You know, see that thing that you desire out there? Go ahead and just charge it. Just charge it. You can pay it off later. Everyone else is doing it. Or Satan whispers in your ear and he says, you know, God wants you to be happy. He really wants you to be happy. He, you know, he wants you to enjoy your life. You want, you want that particular thing? Just, just begin to pray and just keep on praying and knock those doors down. Just wear them down and he's going to give you what you want. Satan whispers these kinds of things in our ears. You know what the truth is though? The truth is none of us, we are not missing out 
anything. You say, well, why is that? Because here's the truth. The truth is no temporal thing, no temporal thing can ever satisfy the human soul. Did you know that? And you say, well, why is that? Prove that. Well, actually, 3,000 years ago, there was a man by the name of King Solomon. He's considered the wisest man uh, to ever live. He wrote a book called Ecclesiastes. I call it the baby boom Bible. And, and really, it's for our generation. No, no book, I think, of the Bible speaks more to our generation than the book of Ecclesiastes. If you haven't read it, you ought to read it. But King Solomon writes these words, inspired words, in Ecclesiastes chapter 3 and verses 9 through 11. What do people really get for all their hard work? I have seen the burden God has placed on us all, yet God has made everything beautiful for its own time. He has planted eternity in the human heart. But even so, people cannot see the whole scope of God's work from beginning to end. What these verses are saying is that God has stacked the deck against you. Did you know that? The God of the universe has stacked the deck against you. You say, well, what are you saying? Well, what I'm saying is is that God has planted eternity in the human soul, and that means that no temporal thing can satisfy you. So go ahead and have all the sex you want. Go ahead and have all the alcohol you want. Go ahead and have all the drugs you want. Go ahead and work as hard as you want. Have as big a bank account as you want. Those are all temporal things. And they cannot satisfy the eternal soul. It's not possible. And I watch people, they keep stuffing and stuffing and stuffing, and and they're not getting any more filled up. In fact, the more you stuff of temporal things, the emptier that you actually get. You know, and, and furthermore, you know, the truth is, as we saw several weeks ago, is God is not interested in giving you happy meals. No, God is not interested in giving you or me happy meals. You know why? Because it's just fleeting. It's just temporary. Once he gives you your happy meal, guess what happens? You want another happy meal, and then you want another happy meal, and then you want another happy meal, and I want another happy meal, and it doesn't work. Happy is, comes from external circumstances. The God of the universe wants to give you something much greater, joy. He wants to give you joy in here. That's eternal. That's lasting. That's what the God of the universe wants to give to you and he wants to give to me. All right, let's look at line number six. Line number six of Satan is this, and it hitchhikes on line number seven. This world really matters. Satan tries to convince us that this world really matters. Now, please listen to this part. It's, it's going to kind of stun you at first, but uh, just, just hang with me, all right? Let, let's talk about atheists for a moment. You know what an atheist is? An atheist is someone who doesn't believe that there is a God. So an atheist really believes that this world does matter because that's all that you have. Now, you know, if atheism is true, because see, what an atheist believes is you're born, you live your life, we call that the dash, then you die, and then guess what happens? You go six feet under, you become food for worms, and you lose all consciousness. That means it's like you never, ever lived your life. Now, let's just assume that that's true. If that's really true, then what difference does it make if I'm a good father, a good husband, I'm really hardworking, or I'm a philanderer, I'm an adulterer, I'm just kind of a blob, and I just kind of leech off everybody? What difference does it matter? No, I want you to think about it. If atheism's really true, what difference does it matter? I'm just going to go six feet under, and I'm going to lose all consciousness. In fact, if that's really true, let's, let's really get down and dirty. 
I think Adolf Hitler had it right. Skip, can you put up his picture? I think Adolf Hitler, no, Adolf Hitler had it right. If atheism is true, Hitler said, hey, I get it. Why not be king of the hill? Why not make the rules? Why not grab all the gusto you can get? So what if you, you, know, you, you slaughter a few million people in the process? You, know, you only get one life. You ought to just live it to the max. Because you're just going to die. You're going to go six feet under. You're going to become food for worms. And you're not going to remember anyhow what you did. No one else is going to remember. You're all going to lose consciousness. So what difference does it make? And you know, I love witnessing. And I love atheists. God bless them. And you know, when I witness to an atheist, we go right down this line of reasoning. I love, I I sometimes want to carry a picture of Adolf Hitler in my wallet. I said, this ought to be your poster child. Because he gets it. He gets it. You, you, guys, you guys ought to honor him. You guys, you, you guys ought to glory in him. You ought to worship him. And you know, they, they really can't argue against it. They have to admit that if atheism's true, you just go six feet under. There's no justice. And he got away with everything. But you know, deep down, it bothers them. You know why? Because they do know there's a day of reckoning. You know how they know there's a day of reckoning? Ecclesiastes chapter 3. God planted eternity in their soul, and they can't, sh- no, no, they can not shake it. Now, now let me blow your mind. Do you know that the God of the universe is not impressed with this world? No. The God of this universe is not impressed with our accomplishments. In fact, Jesus said it like this in Luke chapter 16. Skip, can you put that up? He said this. Listen to what Jesus said. He said, no one can serve two masters, for you will hate the one, and you will love the other. You will be devoted to the one, and you will despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. The Pharisees, who dearly loved their money, sounds like modern-day religious leaders, sadly, doesn't it? Heard all this, and they scoffed at him. They said to him, he said to them, you like to appear righteous in public. Now watch this, but God knows your heart. What this world honors is detestable in the sight of God. Wow, ouch. So what we think is really important, what we're really impressed with, Jesus is saying, God doesn't think anything about it. In fact, he says, he he kind of scoffs at it. So what does this world honor? What do we honor here in America? Money? Come on, let's admit it. Almost monthly, a top 10 list comes out of who are the, the most wealthiest people in the world. You know, we, we look at Warren Buffett and Bill Gates and now Jeff Bezos. How many know who Jeff Bezos is? That's a, someone's, see, and you're buying a lot from Amazon. You're making him rich. He's almost the richest man in the world right now. Just keep buying Amazon and he just keeps laughing all the way to the bank. We honor, no, no, we're impressed with people with money. What else are we impressed with? Power? Now, we, no matter what you think of Donald Trump, do you know he's the most powerful man basically in the world? We, if you get in his presence, we, we, we honor power. We think of Vladimir Putin. We honor people who are powerful. What else do we honor? How about accomplishment? Come on. Tiger Woods. Tom Brady. Tom Hanks, actors, actresses. 
We, 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 we think, wow, they've really accomplished a lot. It's that third category that kind of fascinates me, actually, you know, the accomplishment category. Let, let me just kind of, you know, uh, just put this out before you. Let, let's talk about Satan's game for a moment. You know what Satan's game is? Golf. Golf, okay? <laughs> now, golf is an interesting game because, you see, you get a, a little ball. For the uninitiated, you have a little white ball. You have a thin aluminum stick. I guess if you're rich, you got the uh, graphite one. Yeah, yeah. And, and you try to get that little white ball in a cup, okay? And, and now here, here's the deal. The guy, the guy who can, with that stick, take that little white ball and get it into the cup in the fewest strokes, guess what? He is important. No, no, this is really important. It doesn't matter whether the guy's an adulterer it doesn't matter whether the guy's an idiot. It doesn't matter whether the, you know, the, the, the guy's a jerk. All that matters is if someone can get that little white ball into that little cup in fewer strokes than anyone else. We honor them and we pay them. No, no, get this. We pay them millions of dollars. Skip, put up the picture. Right? Now, Question. I'm just confused, but you can help me. Enlighten me. Why is it, why is it if I can get a little white ball by taking an aluminum stick and hitting it into a little cup and I can do it in fewer strokes than you, why does that matter? No, why is it, who said it's important? <laughs> no, no, what crazy person said that this really matters? I want you to think about this. You know what I think is important? Tiddlywinks. Oh, no, no. Skip, do you have the picture? Tiddlywinks is very... Imp- no, that's the, forget that one. He didn't get my tiddlywinks picture. I forgot about it. You know what? Tiddlywinks is an interesting game because you have a tiddly, okay? And, and, and what you do is you, you hold this little tiddly in your hand and there's a wink, a little thing, and you, you hit it and you try to get it in a little cup. And what I think really matters is if someone can tiddly, hit the wink, you know, flip it into the cup more times than anybody else in a row. Woo! They ought to get a New York City ticker, ticker tape parade and make millions of... Well, why are you laughing? I think that's a really important thing. No, no. If you can do that, I think that really, really matters. You know, and, and, and we're laughing at this and you're saying, wow, I think the, you know, the pastor's one brick shy, you know, of a full, full load. But, you know, the real problem is, is we're just not understanding. God's not impressed with any of this stuff. I mean, no, he, he, he really is not impressed with any of this stuff. Let me see if I can make it fly this way. Uh, let's say I go to a NASA engineer, all right? And this NASA engineer, now he's made rockets, he's made, you know, shuttles and whatnot. And, and I come to, up to him and I, I give him, and I show him my paper airplane that I've made. Skip, can you put that up? No, no, this is an awesome paper airplane. I mean, this is aerodynamically sound. And I show my paper airplane. Does anybody think that the NASA engineers can go, woo, that is smoking. He's going to think, you know, what am I on? He's going to think I'm one brick shy of a full load. He's going to crumple it up. He's not going to be impressed with that at all. Now, I just ask you, Do you think God, seriously, the God of the universe, I just want you to think it through. The God of the universe is impressed with any accomplishment 
that we do. I mean, see, one of the problems that we have is we just don't understand how big our God is. We don't understand what he has done. Do you realize, do you realize with one word, he spoke the entire universe into existence? Skip put that picture. With one word, the entire universe came into existence. With one word, all of the plants, skip put up the next picture, all of the land animals, all of the sea creatures that you see, one word that came into existence. With one word, Jesus, very God, he calmed the storm. With one word, he cleansed a leper. With one word, he healed a blind man's eye. With one word, he raised Lazarus from the dead. Now that's awesome. No, no, that's awesome. And we, we, we're kidding ourselves if we're going, he's going to be impressed with our little achievement. You know, it was interesting. I was in seminary. DTS, not Dallas Transit System. Dallas Theological Seminary one day. And I was going to sin. I was going to go over to the bookstore. I got a problem with books, I'll admit it. I like books. And uh, so it was a beautiful day. I remember this day really well. And I'm walking along and suddenly I see this crowd of guys outside. And, you know, having time and being kind of the curious sort, I'm going to go over and see what's going on. And I get closer and closer. And lo and behold, in the middle of the guys is this man. Skip, can you put up his picture? Tom Landry in his, you know, trademark fedora hat. There he is right in the middle, in the flesh. And uh, maybe you don't know this, but yes, he's a legendary coach of the Dallas Cowboys. That's true. But what a lot of people really didn't know is he is a very strong Christian. In fact, was on the board at Dallas Seminary. And uh, so there he is in the flesh, in the middle of these guys. And he said something that I never, ever forgot. He said, you know, it's kind of interesting you guys want to talk about football and the Dallas Cowboys? And I want to talk about God. I mean, you talk about getting slapped upside the head by the Holy Spirit. You guys want to talk about football, the Dallas Cowboys. I want to talk about God. He's fascinating. Can you believe it? We're a bunch of seminarians. And we're more interested in guys who put on tights and hit each other. No, than we are in God. Than we are in the God of the universe. I mean, it just, wow. That just stuck in my mind. And so as we wind this thing down, here's, here's what I want to challenge us with. Here's the challenge. Have you ever asked yourself, here's God. What do you think, what do you think, really gets his attention. What do you think he really, really is impressed with? He is impressed. We can I want you to know, as we wind this down, you can impress the God of the universe, but it's probably in ways that you haven't thought. I want to just give you three pictures to think about, all right? Three pictures to think about as we move towards the close and the challenge. The first picture is found in Luke chapter 21. In Luke chapter 21, it's Jesus' final Uh, week on planet earth and he's in the temple precincts and you know what he's doing he's there he's watching the offering taking place now do you know in the temple precincts do you know how many offering 
boxes. Hey, I've, I've been thinking about doing this here at this church. Twelve. Kind of gives you a hint. Wouldn't it be kind of cool you put the offering boxes all around? They got 12 of them. They were called trumpet boxes. You know why? Because, see, they were shaped like a trumpet. You'd have a large opening, then a long, slender, curved neck, and then you'd have this big base to collect the coins. Now, the trumpet was made of brass. So when you put the coins in, remember, they don't have dollar bills, it's coins. So you put the coin in, and it would go tick, 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 as it would go down. And remember, the walls are stone, they're granite, so this, it would be amplified, all right? So that's the picture. So here's Jesus, he's, he's watching, and he's watching people follow. All of a sudden, a Pharisee comes along, a Sadducee. Now, they're rich, so you know what they do? No, they, they would do this. They would unload their bag, and all of a sudden, I mean, it would just go, ding, 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 ding. you know, it would sound like the percussion se- section of the London Philharmonic. I mean, it's just bouncing off the walls, the noise, and people are going, wow, that's a spiritual person. Because they're just hearing all this money going down. Now, now get the picture. I want you to get the picture. Then following this Pharisee or the Sadducee, there's this widow. She puts in two leptas. That's like two pennies. Tink. Tink. That's not very impressive, is it? And people are going, no, that's not a very spiritual person. Now watch what Jesus says, though. Watch what Jesus says. Jesus says this. Let's get put it up. I tell you the truth. He's saying this to his disciples. This poor widow has given more than all the rest of them. For they have given a tiny part of their surplus. But she, poor as she is, has given everything that she has. Wow. No, no. This widow gets the attention of God. I mean, this widow right there, she impresses God. You know why? Because, see, she didn't give the fat. She gave the meat. She's saying to God, I believe in your coming kingdom. I'm investing in that. Well, now that we're all sufficiently convicted, let's look at picture number two. Picture number two is found in Luke chapter 10. We know the story, but don't let it fool you. Here we go. Skip, put it up in Luke chapter 10. As Jesus and the disciples continued on their way to Jerusalem, they came to a certain village where a woman named Martha welcomed them into her home. Her sister Mary sat at the Lord's feet, listening to what he taught. But Martha was distracted by the big dinner she was preparing. She came to Jesus and said, Lord, doesn't it seem unfair to you that my sister just sits here while I do all the work? Tell her to come and help me. But the Lord said to her, dear Martha, Martha, Martha. That's in the Greek. You are so worried and upset about all of these important things. Oh, no, excuse me, I mean details. There is only one thing worth being concerned about. Mary has discovered it, and it will not be taken away from her. Now, you know what? I'm going to confess to you, this story has bothered me. And it's actually bothered a lot of people. I mean, I mean, this is a Jewish woman. What do you expect? She's just doing the Jewish thing. There's a guest in the house, right? So you clean it up. You, you, you make more, you know, meal, enough food, you know, to serve an army because that's the way you tell them that they're important, right? But you know what the problem is here? God's in the house. No, no, God is in the house. Jesus is in the house. 
And guess what Jesus could have done? Gone like this, and the house would have been clean. Then he could have gone like that again, and you would have had more food than you would know what to do with. See, Martha had determined what would impress God. That's a mistake we make. No, no, I want you to think about this. Martha had determined what would impress God. Jesus is telling us here what impresses God. Do you know what impresses God? Do you know what he really values from you and me? Thank you. Time. Your time. You can't impress God more. Come on. There's nothing you're going to accomplish. I, I hope you see that. That it impresses him. But you do. No, no, you do. You impress him. And when you take your time and say, Lord, I just want to be in your presence. And you know what? You just grab this book. No, no. And you get off alone, Jesus says, in your closet. And you begin to read and say, Holy Spirit, make this come alive. Speak to me. And you just sit in his presence and you just listen. Maybe you put some praise music on and you begin to worship him. No, no. That gets his attention. Now, that impresses him. Isn't that something? And there's not a person in here that can't do that. But see, we're Americans, and we're going to show God, God, look what I can do for you. And God says, I can just go like that. See, but when you get in his presence, you know what happens? You get filled up. You get his mind. Then you'll do the things that he does want you to do, and you'll do them in his power. Can I give you one last picture? You ready? Are you sure now? You ready for this last one? Lay it on you. All right. You, you asked for it. Acts chapter 1 and verse 8. Jesus just about to ascend to heaven. Here's what he says to his disciples. So th- this matters, right? I mean, these have to be important words. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all of Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Now, I have to admit I'm dyslexic. (laughs) English wasn't my forte. So I hated Hebrew and Greek. But you know what? I had a professor. He goes, gentlemen, see that word witnesses there? Yeah. Yeah, I see that, Howie. Yeah, yeah. That's a noun, not a verb. I'm thick. So, well, what that means is, I'm not so impressed when you go tell people about me. Don't get me wrong. That's good. That's good. That's not what Jesus is saying there. You know what he's saying? It's a noun. He's saying, I want you to ooze me. And you're only going to do that when you're filled with the Holy Spirit and control. Then you will ooze me. So when someone comes up to you and asks you, what do you do? Well, I'm a doctor. I'm a carpenter. I'm a lawyer. Jesus says, no, no. You know what he wants you to say? I'm a witness of Jesus. I'm a witness of Jesus. I just happen to do carpentry to pay the bills. You give him no greater pleasure and joy than when you identify yourself, not with some worldly thing that doesn't matter. He doesn't care if you're an engineer. 
come on. He didn't care if you're a football coach. You think he was, oh, Tom, well, that's great to see you. Tom, I'm so glad you won two Super Bowls with the Cowboys. Come on. He didn't care. Landry was a witness, brought Roger Staubach and so many of the other Cowboys to Christ because he was a witness and he oozed Jesus. Now that gets his attention. That gets his attention. Every single one of those, every single one of those from every single one of us can give more than the surplus. We, we can start giving the meat. We, we, we can start saying, hey, Jesus, you're important. I'm spending time with you. Every single one of us can say, I'm, from here at this point on, I'm going to be a witness. I'm going to ooze Jesus. I'm going to learn to be filled and controlled by the Holy Spirit. You can impress God. Lord, pray we'll take to heart this. I love truth because it's so freeing. See, when we speak truth, it doesn't just only the rich can do it or only the people in America can do it. The people in India can't. No, no, no. It's true for us all. I don't, it doesn't matter what our station in life is. It doesn't matter of our socioeconomic status. It doesn't matter about our educational level. Every Single one of us can give sacrificially of our time and our resources and say, I believe in your coming kingdom. Oh, I got a great retirement because I've invested in the greatest kingdom of all, Jesus' kingdom. Every single one of us can bask in his presence. Better is one day in your courts, Lord, than a thousand elsewhere. Every single one of us can put a smile on your face by just sitting in your presence and hearing your voice as we look at the word. And instead of living aimless lives, we live purposeful lives because we hear your voice and we have your power. Every single one of us can be a witness in our homes, in our neighborhoods, in our places of work if we make a decision to just ooze Jesus. Have your way now, Holy Spirit, as we sing this final song I ask in your name. Amen.